Good morning, everyone. Well, thank you for that. My name is Chris. I bring you greetings from the West Side, a pastor on the West Side at Trinity. And I'm just super thankful to be a part of a church that worships in three different spaces. And I see a lot of familiar faces uh, here. And it's just good to be with you. It's, um, it's a joy to be a part of a, a family of believers in this city who are doing um, good things and, and seeking to be faithful. So greetings from, from the West Side. I'm glad to be with you. If you have your Bibles, please turn uh, to Daniel uh, chapter 4. I think it was about four and a half months since I was here uh, the last time. I think it's been a while. So we've got in my house, uh, um, I've got uh, two college students and one kid left at home. And it's a, a different sort of season in life for us. But this weekend, uh, I had all my kids in my house. And it was kind of fun, especially watching Auburn lose um, to my Bulldogs. Uh, made me very happy. So... We can all thank God for that, right? We're going to pick up right in the middle of a story. And I'm going to fill you in as we uh, tell the story on what had happened just before the verses that we're going to read. We start in verse 24. This is the interpretation, O king. And it is a, it is a decree of the Most High that has come upon my Lord the king. You shall be driven away from human society. And your dwelling shall be with wild animals. You shall be made to eat grass like oxen. You shall be bathed with the dew of heaven. And seven times shall pass over you. Until you have learned that the Most High has sovereignty over all the kingdoms of mortals. Gives to whom he will. And as it was commanded to leave the stump and roots of the tree. Your kingdom shall be reestablished for you from the time that you learn that heaven is sovereign. Therefore, O king, may my counsel be acceptable to you. Atone for your sins with righteousness and your iniquities with mercy to the oppressed so that your prosperity may be prolonged. All this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of 12 months, he was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon. And the king said, is this not magnificent Babylon, which I have built as a royal capital by my mighty power and for my glorious majesty? While the words were still in the king's mouth, a voice came from heaven. O king Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is declared, the kingdom is departed from you. You shall be driven away from human society, and your dwelling shall be with the animals of the field. You shall be made to eat grass like oxen, and seven times shall pass over you until you have learned that the Most High has sovereignty over the kingdom of mortals and gives it to whom he will. Immediately the sentence was fulfilled against Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven away from human society. He ate grass like oxen. His body was bathed with the dew of heaven until his hair grew as long as eagle's feathers and his nails became like bird's claws. Gross. When that period was over, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven and my reason returned to me. I blessed the Most High and praised and honored the one who lives forever for his sovereignty is an everlasting sovereignty and his kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing. And he does what he wills with the host of heaven and the inhabitants of earth. There is no one who can stay his hand or say to him, what are you doing? At that time, my reason returned to me and my majesty and splendor were restored to me for the glory of my kingdom. My counselors and my Lord sought me out. I was reestablished over my kingdom and still more greatness was added to me. Now I can Nebuchadnezzar praise and extol and honor the king of heaven for all his works are truth 
and his ways are justice, and he is able to bring low those who walk in pride. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray and then let's look at this this passage together. God, we ask for your grace to be still. God, we ask for your grace uh, to think about our own lives rather than just the lives of people who are really far away from us when we hear a story like this. God, we ask you to help us to not only say true and hard things, but to learn to be the kinds of people who can hear true and hard things. Father, we ask for your grace now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So if you've been here at Trinity, whether it's uh, east side, west side, north side, we've been over the last number of weeks looking at the book of Daniel, and it's been a really great opportunity to remember uh, that there are real lessons, I think, to be learned from this ancient book. Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were uh, refugees, if you will. They were exiles. They had been taken from their homeland and brought into to Babylon, and they were not um, they were not at home, if you will. They were from another place, and they were cultivating a memory that they belonged somewhere else, and yet they asked God for the ability to be fully present and to be fully faithful in the space that they were meant to be occupying during this season. And I think that because of that, there's a lot that we can learn from the book of Daniel. Uh, the Lord, I think, for those of you in this room who belong to him, wants to, to remind you that you're from somewhere else. And yet you're called to be fully present in this world, in these relationships, at your job, um, in the community in which you live. And because of that reality of being um, resident aliens, if you will, I believe that Daniel has, has stuff to say to us. Today, though, I think this becomes really practical. Uh, you may not think that you have the opportunity to speak truth to a king. You know, I doubt Donald Trump has invited you into his office. Uh, and so a lot of us think, well, then we don't have um, really any way forward. We don't know how to speak to power. Uh, today, I believe the Lord is going to give us some really practical insight into how to acknowledge power inside of us. All of us in this room are people of power. Um, every one of you is a person of privilege. Uh, and we're going to talk about that more in a few minutes. And so we're meant to listen to truth and be in the kinds of relationships where we actually solicit truth from other people. Maybe the person sitting next to you. Maybe someone else. We're all also meant to be the kinds of people who speak truth. Uh, Not just to people really far away, but to people around us, maybe extending out in concentric circles. And so today we're going to finish after looking at this story with two really simple reflections on how to hear truth and then how to speak truth. And I hope that it will be helpful to you. So Nebuchadnezzar really likes Daniel. And I think... I love that about this, this story. Um, what you see in this story is essentially a man who has found favor. And for me as a, a Christian believer, I uh, wake up every morning asking God for favor. I, I pray, Lord, like, would you give me favor? Not so that I can become someone uh, other than I'm supposed to be or more than I'm supposed to be, but would you give me a voice in the world around me? And so every day I open my hands before God and I say, Lord, I pray today that you would give me favor with people, that you would open up opportunities for me to be useful to you. I think Daniel prayed that prayer and I think God answered it. So what you see in this passage um, is really the kind of culmination of what had happened just before it. So Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. 
And earlier on in chapter three, Nebuchadnezzar has a dream and this is the dream. He dreams that a giant tree was established that grew and its branches were so big that it extended shade to the ends of the earth. And the tree got taller and taller, more and more power was given to the tree. And all the people of the world ate from the fruit of the tree and birds nested in the shade and people sought home and solace within the sort of ecosystem that this tree creates. And in the dream that Nebuchadnezzar has a voice, a watcher, the text tells us from heaven says, we got to cut the thing down. And then the tree is chopped down to a stump, not rooted out but chopped down. And then in the dream, there's this pivot where a man, so it goes from a tree to a man. And then in the dream, Nebuchadnezzar sees a man become an animal. And he begins to say, what does this dream mean? And he asks all the like smart people and all the people with spiritual gifts and all the dream interpreters. And nobody either knows what it's about or it has the courage to tell him what this dream is about. And the truth is when you are a person of privilege and every one of us in this dream is a person of privilege, we have a hard time seeing things that are sometimes right under our nose. And so what Nebuchadnezzar does is he, this guy who's known as a rascal has the wherewithal to say, what does this thing mean? Somebody tell me what it means. And if no one would have been willing to tell him what it means, he would not have had a grid for what was going to happen next in his life. Daniel comes to him and Daniel is for Nebuchadnezzar. If you read the book of Daniel, Daniel works for the flourishing of Babylon while he's there. And Daniel actually says this to Nebuchadnezzar when Nebuchadnezzar says, tell me what these, this dream means. Daniel says, my Lord made the dream be for those who hate you and it's interpretation for your enemies. I.e., I don't want to tell you what's right under your nose. And then he says, where we pick up in our passage. This is about you. Your power has gone to your head. You have exalted yourself and God is going to bring you low. If you were here last week, you would have seen um, that story of the, the statue and everyone falling down in front of the statue. Nebuchadnezzar had made a statue after another dream. And he said, I want everyone in my kingdom to fall down and worship. And we on the West side, and I'm sure you guys have reflected on this a little bit yourself. This idea of falling down and worshiping is something that humans were made to do. Like we were made to ascribe worth to others, to another, to something outside ourselves. Like, I believe that it's in our nature to fall down and worship. And Nebuchadnezzar was invited by God to fall down and worship. And yet what he does is he keeps exalting himself. He keeps like magnifying himself. He keeps trying to puff himself up or give him pl- uh, himself a place to stand. And what we see in the early parts of Daniel, we're seeing here again. It's like Nebuchadnezzar over and over and over again is being invited to go low But his instinct is to go high. He wants to magnify or amplify his voice. And we do this all the time. We make our vacations sound a little better than they were. We make our resume cause us to appear a little more impressive than we are. It's not that we're lying. We're just amplifying in ways that are somewhat fabricated. What Nebuchadnezzar does he's amplifying. And what Daniel does is comes to him and says, you were made to bend your knee and we can do this the hard way or the easy way. 
And I would submit to you that every single one of us was made to recognize that we were given power and that there are real meaningful limits to our power. And if we won't accept the second one, circumstances, life will teach us that lesson as it did Nebuchadnezzar. And so what Daniel says is, if you'll bend your knee now, your days will be prolonged and this calamity won't come to you. There's a way to do this by tending to your blind spots, Nebuchadnezzar. There's a way to live your life where you intentionally seek out truth so that you can intentionally go low when your sin and your instinct and your insecurity causes you to want to go big. And he tells Nebuchadnezzar, you have an opportunity and one year goes by. Like if I had been Daniel, I would have been like, all right, it's all going to come apart and I'm going to video it when it happens. And a year goes by and Nebuchadnezzar probably at this point thinks like I got away with it. Like Daniel was just ate bad pizza and he said something out of his own insecurity and he was just like ranting and raving and he's just jealous, you know, because I'm awesome. Nebuchadnezzar, after one year, the text tells us what he climbs up on the roof so that he can go high rather than go low. He goes big and he's up in the highest place. And what does he do? He's overlooking his kingdom. And he's like, done a real good job. Built this thing, the sweat of my brow and all the minions, but he did it in his mind. And he said, I've established this place. And he thought, I'm going to go as high as I can. I'm going to project more than I am. And the word of God comes to him again and says, what you heard a year ago is now coming to pass. You're going to be driven away from human society. Now, whether or not you think that Nebuchadnezzar literally became an animal, I don't really care what you think about that. You can believe that he grew like nasty fingernails and had feathers on his back. His hair became like eagle's feather. I don't even know what that would look like. Or you can believe that this was sort of analogous for like homeboy lost his mind. And you're welcome to interpret on that wide a swath. The point of this story is that Nebuchadnezzar lost everything. He came undone. And every one of us in this room knows that feeling of, of being on the edge of losing maybe everything. That kind of anxiety, um, the, the sort of diminishing of your ability to think clearly. I have a friend who has a friend, and, and, and as I said in the first service, you should be very wary of anybody who starts a story like that. Um, but this one's actually true. And this guy uh, started a nonprofit out on the West Coast, and, and it was a, a really, really successful, really compelling Christian uh, nonprofit. And a number of years ago, he was found in traffic in Los Angeles in his underwear, just wandering through traffic in the middle of the city, almost hit. Uh, he, had, he had lost it, literally came undone. He, he'd lost it. He'd had probably some sort of a, a breakdown, a, a Nebuchadnezzar moment. Your life will tell you things uh, maybe that your heart won't listen to. Uh, your body will ultimately tell you uh, what you need to know, like my grandmother used to say, this can happen the easy way or the hard way. Well, ultimately for Nebuchadnezzar, it happens the hard way. 
And after deteriorating, the text tells us that one day after a period of time, um, many years, he looks up. So finally, Nebuchadnezzar's not up here. He goes low and he looks up. He sees things the right way. And he writes this beautiful poem about God and his power and about people and their limitations. And then the Lord adds back out of the stump, something new grows. He doesn't disqualify Nebuchadnezzar. He actually puts him back in and makes him fruitful. So that's the story. Now I want to tell you how to hear and then how to speak when it comes to truth to power. So first, for those of you who are in places of power, we're going to put them up one at a time. We're going to put some slides up uh, just to be very, very clear about what I think this passage has, has to teach us. So every one of us in this room is a person of power. Um, I believe that it's in, in some circles like really popular today to say that power is inherently evil and bad. And I would say to you that I don't subscribe to that view. Uh, I think that's actually a pretty narrow view. Um, power is given by God. The stewardship of power is critical. So untended to or unstewarded power is a very bad and dangerous thing. Power itself, influence, using and leveraging your gifts for God's good and great kingdom is actually not only okay, I believe it's God's best for every one of us. We have to tend to power. In the same way that rivers inside their banks are good, but when they get out of their banks, when they flood, they're bad. When they're dammed up in the sense that nothing below gets refreshment, that's also bad. So we need to tend to power. Every one of us in this room, because of where you were born and the time in which you were born has been given a power that I would say to you is from God. If you are a person of power, and every one of us in this room is, According to the definition I just offered, we have to hear these things. And the text actually invites us to hear these things. Number one, for all of us in this room, we must invite others to speak truth into our lives. Nebuchadnezzar, as rascally and rotten as he is, actually asks Daniel to speak truth to him. And Daniel's afraid and Nebuchadnezzar says, please don't be afraid. Like, tell me. And the more power you wield... And we Americans are champions at this blind spot stuff, the less we see. The more insulated your position is, the less easy it is to see what you don't see. So when we live our lives in power, we have to actually be very intentional about inviting people to speak truth to us. And this is one of the great gifts of Christian community. This is one of the great mandates I would submit to you of Christian relating is that we actually have to say, come and tell me it is hard for people to tell you hard things. So you have to actually solicit truth. And if you're not in relationships where true things are ever said and we wait until the stakes are so high that it's like do or die, no one's ever going to tell you the truth until they decide they hate your guts. And some of us in this room won't tell the truth until we decide we hate someone and we're willing to write them off. And then it's almost like we drop a bomb in their life. And that's no, there's, that, that's not redemptive. So we have an opportunity here looking at Nebuchadnezzar to say, I'm going to intentionally speak truth to me. There are people in my life to whom I say on a regular basis, tell me what I do not see. Help me see what I do not see. And I hear it. 
And then have to make choices not to be defensive about it. So for those of you in power, invite other people to speak into your life. And I want to say this, seek to hear people, even if they speak through hurt, through fear, through trembling, through anger, through insecurity, because it's hard to say something to someone who doesn't see it. So you've got to basically say, I'm going to listen to people who say things to me imperfectly because you and your moments of insecurity want to be heard when you speak imperfectly. Daniel's afraid. But Nebuchadnezzar chooses to let him speak and then struggles actually to hear from him until things get worse. We have an opportunity actually to be heard. We all need people to speak into our lives. God can speak to you through hurt people. He can speak to you through insecure people. Number two, submission is ultimately non-negotiable. Nebuchadnezzar was ultimately on a collision course. Uh, God was going to invite him to learn how to submit and surrender, but it took him a year to get to rock bottom. And some of us in this room have a remarkable capacity to continue spiraling down without listening before we hit the end, rock bottom. God loves us too much to leave us like we are. He just does. He cares too much to uh, leave you alone. And so circumstances will get to you even if the word of God doesn't. I believe that one of the things the Lord wants you and me to learn how to do is to learn the gift of surrender and submission. So where are you being invited to practice submission? Do you have people in your life that you actively invite to speak truth to you? I believe the Lord wants all of us to be able to answer yes to those questions. Where are you regularly yielding your will to the will of another person, a trusted person, someone who can be heard. We have to listen or we'll never have credibility to speak. Number three, places of power. We have to learn to see things the right way. Um, Nebuchadnezzar was always looking down. God wanted him to look up. He was always ascending. God wanted him to descend. And one of the gifts when people speak truth to us is that God reminds us that he's always inviting us to descend so that our orientation is an upward one rather than a condescending one. God wants us to be the kinds of men and women who don't think about ourselves as much as we tend to do. And for Nebuchadnezzar, as long as he was looking down, there was a measure of control implied there. And as long as we're cultivating an image or we're protecting turf or we're preserving something, we're always looking out from our own perspective. I believe that God wants people like you and me to become increasingly forgetful of self. And if I will go low, I stop thinking about myself all the time. God's able to actually begin to orient me under him. God's greatest call is for you and me to come under him. But our deepest insecurity causes us to try to ascend so that we can be in a place of security and self-preservation. Nebuchadnezzar actually learns the hard way, frankly, to go low. Number four, God's desire is always to restore. Even Nebuchadnezzar experienced a form of restoration, a return to fruitfulness. The stump was not rooted out. It was like cut off and then something would ultimately grow out of the stump. And so I just want to say to you today, if you are in a place of profound loss right now, if you feel like something is happening that's causing a kind of deteriorating in your soul, 
a kind of net loss where you feel in some ways resonant with Nebuchadnezzar's story, I just want to say to you, there is a way forward for you. It's one of the things that we say in our family all the time. There's always a way forward. There's always a way to move forward. And restoration is God's heart for every single one of us. That's what he wants to have happen. That's what God longs for. And so there's hope for you. There's hope for me. There's hope for people if we'll bend our knee and learn to come under. If we'll learn to bend our knee and surrender, let go, and stop protecting. So those are, I think, things that we all need to hear when we're uh, in places of power, which I think all of us are. Let's clear that and we'll start one at a time with how to speak to power. Number one, look for an invitation. Where are the invitations in your life? Daniel was invited to speak. I believe all of us have spaces where there are invitations. And invitations may not be the Oval Office, but it might be somewhere a little bit closer by to start with. Uh, Sometimes we lob grenades further afield to assuage our own anxiety. When the Lord might be asking us to exercise real power a little bit closer to home to start with and then see it kind of incrementally move further afield. I believe every one of us has places where the Lord is inviting us to speak to power. It might be in the life of the person next to you. It might be in the life of your pastor. It might be in the life of a a community leader or someone of influence at your job. The Lord wants us to see where are the open doors? Where am I being invited to take a real, tangible, quantifiable risk? Daniel took a real risk, y'all. He literally stepped out and put his neck out there. I believe the Lord would invite all of us to look for invitations. And if no one in your life wants to hear from you or can hear from you, that could mean one of two things. It might mean that you're in a really toxic and oppressive environment where you just literally can't be heard. Or it might mean that you're not the kind of person who's easily heard. And we can't do much about the uh, the first one except for maybe leave. And there are times where you're supposed to do that. But we can do something about the second one. If we're not a person who's easily heard, who seems to never get the opportunity to say the thing that's burning in our souls to say, the Lord might be wanting us to ask questions around why that may be the case. And sometimes it means you're supposed to go. You're supposed to leave. Sometimes it might mean that God wants to knock some edges off of you. The Lord wants you to be the kind of person who is likely able to be heard. And I believe the way it works is that if we become those kinds of people, we will actually see invitations around us. Number two, when we receive invitations to step out, we have to be brave. We have to learn how to tell the truth. Daniel was frightened. We will also be frightened anytime you're invited to speak into places of power, blind spots and other people. That's a terrifying thing. Daniel was afraid. I'm afraid you'll be afraid. And yet he moved forward anyway. Fear is not a sign that you shouldn't say something. Fear is also not a sign that you should shout it and scream it at someone. Fear is a sign that we're facing resistance and God's inviting us to be brave, to move forward. That's what courage is, right? Feeling fear, moving on anyway. I believe the Lord wants us to be the kinds of people who open ourselves up, who take a step. Number three, when we speak truth to power, we must never impinge upon the hearer's sense of personal volition. 
And this is so important. Daniel doesn't tell Nebuchadnezzar that he has to, that he better, that it's too late for him. He speaks truth and then he leaves the ball in the arena of the other person's court so that they can do or not do what they want to do with it. In this case, Nebuchadnezzar doesn't behave in a redemptive way and his day comes later on. I believe that one of the most important things for us to recognize in truth-telling is that we must never press so far into someone's space that we take over their responsibility to respond. you got to let people do their, do, do their thing. Your job is to discharge sometimes truth to people around you, but let them work it out or not. Daniel lets outcomes go to the Lord. I typically pray every time before I'm going to speak truth to someone, especially in a place of power, that God would restrain me, um, that he would help me to be humble and to, to allow them to work something through. And yet recently I was with our bishop and I felt like the Lord had put something on my mind that I needed to tell him. I felt like, um, really, I felt like God had, has, had a plan, an invitation for him uh, to step into. But he's in a place of power and I'm not. Like I literally get on my knees in front of him at ordination and pledge obedience. <laughs> so this man is above me in every way. And I got into a meeting and I let my stress and my desire to see the outcome that I wanted get over me and on me. And I pushed him in ways that were inappropriate. And I had to go back to him and repent and ask for his uh, forgiveness. And he extended it. Thanks be to God. We must never take away the dignity of the choice of another person to choose to do or not do the right thing. Your job in speaking truth to power is to actually say and then let it go and trust the Lord with what's going to happen next. Number four, we have to trust God with outcomes. Nebuchadnezzar, it took a year. Things had to get worse before they got better. It was not Daniel's responsibility to tend to timelines. He did his job and then he opened his hands. Now, for some of you in speaking truth to power in certain situations, that might mean you need to leave a job or you need to leave a situation that's dangerous. But even then, we're trusting God with outcomes about what happens on the other person's side of the equation. Daniel trusted. He lived like this. I believe the Lord wants us to do the same. And finally, uh, we have to be open to redemptive stories. I think in my own life, there have been too many times where I've spoken truth, kind of hoping God would crash the whole boat. You know, it's like Jonah. Like, I really just want Nineveh to go to hell. Just, I want it to fall apart. And we think we're telling it like it is. And yet, for me, one of the litmus tests of whether I'm, I'm able, I'm ready to speak truth, is can I desire and do I hope for a really positive and redemptive outcome on the other side of this, even if I'm really upset, really frustrated, really afraid, really concerned. I believe the Lord wants you to be open to redemption. And if you're not, it might be a time to pray more and talk less. The Lord wants us to be the kinds of men and women who actually hope the stump will grow. And when I don't feel like I want the stump to grow, I pray. And I'm praying a lot these days. Because it's sometimes easier or feels simpler if the stump would just wither. And I believe the Lord would say he always wants something to grow. He wants us to have a heart that is for people, even when we're in desperately tough situations. And if Daniel can do it, I can do it. So can you. Because I don't think any of us have been dragged away from our homes, had our names taken away from us and put in Babylon. 
And yet Daniel had all those things happen and said, God, I want to work for the good. I want to speak truth and trust you with hard things. If you're able, let's stand together. Thank you so much for listening to today's sermon. I'm Matthew Brown, the parish pastor here at Trinity in Decatur. At Trinity, our mission is to be a people who are growing into Christ-likeness. And you can learn more about Trinity and get plugged into the life of the church by visiting our website, atltrinity.org. Thank you so much, and God bless you. Have a great week.